back and better than ever. It's Victory Monday, not Loser Monday. Victory Monday, episode 33, I think, 32, 33, 34, one of those. Second String Podcast, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Um, I feel delighted. I feel splendid. I feel I feel marvelous. Any any adjective in the book that describes a state of, of nirvana, that's how I'm feeling right now. The Lions won a football game this Sunday. The Detroit Lions, the ones we wear blue, Stafford's the quarterback, the big fat gurus are uh, coach. That team won a football game, American football, where you kick field goals, you tackle people, they wear helmets, pads. They won one of those games. Believe that or not. I they're I mean, people were talking. People were starting to murmur. It was it was the other guy's situation here. People were starting to murmur that we didn't have the balls to win a game. <sighs> but we're here. We did it. And against I would say, well, the Packers are nuts, but against a team we should not have beaten. By no by no stretch should we have beaten the Arizona Cardinals. They're far superior to us. I mean, Kyler Murray forgot who he was or has interests within the Detroit Lions or his cousin is Matt Stafford or something Um, because he kind of just gave it to us for some reason. He seemed uninterested in winning and playing well and even doing the bare minimum that would have allowed the Cardinals to win. But guess what? I don't care. I'll take that all day. I'll take it to the bank. I'll double down. I'll put it in a 401k all day, every day. This team's one and two right now. I tweeted it out yesterday. We're not dead. If you would have asked me last week after getting curb stomped by the Packers, are we dead? I would have said we're – our heart beats once every like three hours. Like the beep, the the heart monitor comes back and you think we're alive. This team, we're cruising at like maybe 10 beats per minute. I don't know what the resting heart rate is. I think it's like 60, but we're, we're – it's a warm body. We're a warm body and that's all that matters right now. For starters, so I think the biggest key in this game, obviously I guess the defense was better as much as I actually despise the idea of giving Matt Patricia credit. Um, the defense was better, and I don't really understand what made it better. Um, we still didn't get a pass rush. What else is new? Why would we get a pass rush when we have done the same thing we've done the previous 30 games and never have gotten a pass rush? So, of course, we didn't get a pass rush. I think we sacked Kyler once probably because he just – I think it was that play where um, Okora got him and Kyler like stepped up in the pocket, just right into Okora kind of. So fell into a pat or a sack, whatever. I guess we'll take it. No Trufant, no Coleman, Okuda. Now listen, now listen, the Okuda haters. I, where are you? Chirp, 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 chirp. Where? Where are you? I can't hear you. I literally can't hear you. I couldn't hear you on Twitter yesterday. I couldn't hear my friends in the room with me yesterday after we were people were bagging, not me. People were bagging on him being underwhelming as the third overall pick, saying he's a bust. We should have taken Simmons. We should have taken this guy. Where are you? The only the only interception made yesterday, we had three picks. One was a tip. Whatever shit happens. Kind of a fluke play. Tip interception. Other one, Kyler Murray literally threw it right to Jamie Collins. I don't know what he was looking at. And one of those three picks was unlike the other. One of them was a phenomenal play. Guess who that was? That was Jeff Okuda, who came out of nowhere. I don't. I still don't get how he made that play. Came out of nowhere. I mean, granted, probably not a great throw by Kyler, kind of throwing across his body, but not really. I mean, Hopkins was, it felt like, in line with him. Not a terrible, terrible, like, what are you doing type throw. 
and Okuda was f- literally flying through the air. Dove catches it, interception. Nice little return on top, and then gets mauled by the boys to congratulate him and tell him, hey, we believe in you. Don't listen to those clowns on Twitter. Listen to Nick Bradley. He knows what he's talking about, but don't listen to those other clowns on Twitter. You know what you're doing. You don't just forget how to play cornerback. You don't. Why did people think that happened? You Listen, his first game in the NFL, he went against Devontae Adams, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, at least the way he's playing. He's a top three QB, one of the greatest quarterback talents we've ever seen. Uh, and then you compile that with our coach is a dickhead and we get zero pass rush. Like, yeah, he's probably going to have a little bit of a tough game. Like what you think he's going to just be prime time game one against maybe the most electric quarterback wide receiver tandem in the NFL. Um, That's probably just never like, that's just not going to happen. And then week two, it's not like it gets any easier. He goes against another elite wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, another guy who's probably like a top three wide receiver in the NFL. And then Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray played really poorly, but before that coming into the season, like Kyler Murray, I would say, is a consensus top 10 QB in this league, maybe even like top seven, top six, top five, depending on who you ask. People are high on this team. Listen, the Cardinals, that comeback again before the Niners got destroyed by injuries, that comeback week one against an elite defense, extremely impressive. I don't know who they beat week two. I think they kind of just killed someone. Um, everyone was high. They were red hot. Hopkins, top three wide out. Kyler, red hot coming into this game. He gets his first career interception. Obviously, Hopkins still had a nice game. I think he probably had like 10 catches or so. I don't know what his exact stat line was, but it felt like he was getting the ball like every other play on like a 10-yard turnaround, and it was just wide open. How's that? Listen, even though Okuda's the guy on that side of the field, when we play a cover three and Okuda's job is you have the deep third, like your coverage responsibility is drop back deep and don't don't let anyone go deep on you. When DeAndre Hopkins is catching 10-yard comebacks, that's not Okuda's fault. People are going to say, he still got torched by Hopkins. Listen, one of the best receivers in the NFL, first off. Second off, when you watch that game, we still played man a fair amount, absolutely, and he got passes caught on him in man, absolutely. But we also played zone, a lot of zone, more zone than we've played any of the other two games this season. And in a lot of those zones, if you watch the game, He's responsible. He just instantly drops back. He's 10 yards off the ball. The ball snapped and he starts dropping back. He's it's obvious he's responsible for anything deep. So when DeAndre Hopkins catches a 10 yard comeback, that's just not even remotely near where Okuda's supposed to be. Yeah, he's the guy who comes up and makes the tackle because he's the he's the one guy in front of Hopkins after he makes the catch. But just because he's the guy who makes the tackle doesn't mean he's getting burned. Like you need to understand how defenses work what we were doing and why Jeff Okuda, it seems like it's his guy because he's the one who keeps having to make the tackle. Listen, when he's getting, when he's supposed to guard a deep third, you don't want him to be super aggressive on those on those comebacks because that's what? He he gets super aggressive on one, maybe, maybe I don't know, knocks it away, makes a bang-bang tackle, pops a ball loose, something like that. Next time it's 10-yard comeback, pump fake, Okuda – ankle snapped at that 10 yards and Hopkins is wide open for a touchdown. That's why you don't want him getting all up in Hopkins' grill when you're going to play the zone. And listen, he had passes caught on him when we were in man, but guess what? When we were in man, he followed Akuda across the entire field and dove and made an unreal interception in the second half. He made a big play. He showed you a flash. People were saying, all right, I get he's a rookie and he's going to struggle, but show me something. 
in that first half. It was one of the first drives of the game, I want to say. The Cardinals tried like a little, I don't know what you want to call it, like a flash screen to Hopkins. They just snapped it and threw it to him, and it was a screen like at the five. He shot out of a rocket-propelled cannon, and I don't know how DeAndre Hopkins' knees aren't liquid noodles today because he just assassinated his knees. Great play. And then he makes probably the nicest interception anyone made in the NFL on Sunday. So um, I think that would probably qualify as showing you something now, making one just great tackle and then an impact play in the game that led to directly to points for the Lions and momentum. Like, yeah, I think I think that can, that, that constitutes showing a flash for all the – all the footies out there that that think this guy's a bum because he had a hard time against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I've said it before about the Lions fan base. What are we doing, guys? He's a rookie. It's his second game. He's played, like, after that first half of the Cardinals game yesterday, I'm on Twitter and people are ready to, like, bury this guy. They're ready to call his career in Detroit over. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe we wasted a pick on this guy. It's like Darko all over again. Bro, relax. He's played one and a half games of football against two of, if not the top three, two of the top five wide receivers in the NFL and two of the top, like, seven quarterbacks in the NFL, like, cut the guy cut the guy a little bit of slack. He's not going to be fucking primetime in week one. I don't know what you want me to say. Every, like, what's the deal with, I'm sure, I'm sure all fan bases are like this, where everyone just overreacts instantly after a dude has one bad play. Um, but what is the deal with, Detroit fans and a rookie has like a single bad game and they're like this guy's terrible has he ever played football before no way he was good in college he stinks at football like relax man it happened with Hawkinson last year now granted Hawkinson got hurt which sucked because it's not like he can do any like prove people wrong when he's hurt and not playing but now this year all of a sudden I've said it already we don't target Hawkinson nearly enough he should be getting like 10 targets a game you saw yesterday even when he got the ball. There were plays designed for him. Linebackers are way too slow to guard him. They literally just can't. If you send Hawkinson on like a crossing route and a linebacker is supposed to guard him, he's going to be wide open every single time. And then you put a safety or a corner on him, they're way too little. You saw it in, I think it was the Bears game, where he just literally boxed the dude out and catches the ball. It was like a it was like a post-entry pass. He just boxed up Stafford, just lofted it up, and it wasn't even like, he didn't even have to like move. It was just easy catch. Dude's way too little. Like, why do I don't get how that seems so obvious to me, but Daryl Bevel and I don't know, Stafford. I don't know how much he has to do with like influencing the way the play calling goes, but why is Hawkinson not just receiving 10 instant targets a week? He seems like the biggest matchup nightmare. Now Kenny Galladay back. That touchdown catch he had was ridiculous. It's awesome to have an impact wide out again. Another guy that's just a matchup nightmare. Way too big for corners. You can't even dare to put a linebacker on him because they're way too slow. But he's too big for the common DB. The only way to stop him is you got to have a Derwin James or Jamal Adams, just a freak athlete at safety that's got the strength and the size but has the speed to match up. That's the only way you can hope to stop Galladay. I mean, that touchdown, you saw Stafford. He wasn't even really open. He had the guy in the front side of him, and Stafford intentionally threw it high and behind Galladay, and he just reaches across his body, jumps like picking an apple tree, picking an apple out of an apple tree. Phenomenal catch, and then twists and scores. Like, we were missing that. We were missing a guy who – it's not going to happen every play, but I feel like Galladay is good for like once, twice a game. It's like, all right, shit, not, this play didn't work. Nothing's open. I'm going to just chuck it to Galladay. 
and he'll come down with it like once once or twice you just are like fuck it here kenny try to do something and he'll he's just so big and so good that he'll just make it happen when he probably shouldn't when the defense should probably stop it but it doesn't matter because he's too good hawkinson i believe is a guy like that he just doesn't receive the opportunities now maybe not hawkinson's not at the level of a galladay yet um galladay should have been a pro bowler last year he put up absurd numbers if you look at his stat line so Galladay's probably a little more advanced at Hawk, but if you watch Hawk, you watch the potential, Hawk has the tools to be a guy like that. I've said it before. You see how the Niners use Kittle. You see how the Chiefs use Kelsey. That is what TJ Hawkinson is. We just haven't figured it. Well, I figured it out. I've been fucking screaming it on here for two weeks now. We haven't figured it out, and we being the Lions offensive coaching staff, haven't realized that, oh, dude, we should just fucking force feed this guy the ball because – Maybe they'll maybe they'll cover him like once or twice out of ten times, but the other eight times, uh, it's probably going to be a pretty big play. And I loved that. I know there was a play. I want to say it was either third or fourth. Um, it may have been it may have been that drive where Stafford ended up overthrowing Jesse James and then overthrowing Amendola, and we kicked the field goal. But one of those plays, I can't remember. I think Hawkinson may have been in the slaughter out wide, and we just threw a fade up to Hawk. Like that needs that should be if we're ever within the five, that should just be a play. If we're ever within the five and we split out Hawk and we know they're just gonna guard him one on one, that should be an instantly the first play we run is just throw a fade to Hawk. First down, just chuck it up. If they're gonna guard him one on one, just throw it up to Hawk. He's coming down with it 70% of the time. And that's what we did. Stafford threw it too low. I think it like hit the Cardinals dude helmet, but he threw it too low. But you could see the size advantage. If he just put it up, Hawk was coming down with it all day. Like even though it didn't work in the game, I was sitting there like, thank you, Daryl Bevel. Thank you, Matt Stafford. Thank you, Lions, for realizing you drafted this dude, whatever. What did we take him, like seventh overall or eighth overall two years ago? This is why you drafted that guy that high. This is what he brings to your team. Give him a shot. Let him prove himself. Like, you drafted him for this reason. It's it's irresponsible to not let him prove that reason right. Like, prove you right for drafting him. You think the Chiefs – like, imagine imagine the Chiefs, if if Travis Kelsey, they know he's just getting one-on-one. A corner is going to try to guard Travis Kelsey, and they're like the five, and they go three downs and don't throw it up, a 50-50 ball to Kelsey, one of those plays. I would guarantee – I would bet my life savings Travis Kelsey's going back to Andy Reid on the sideline and being like, what the fuck is that, dude? These guys are going to guard me one-on-one with a dude that's four inches shorter than me and 40 pounds lighter, and you're not going to throw it to me one time. In Travis Kelsey's mind, he's like, bro, if you throw it up once, I guarantee you I'm catching it. And he's not saying throw it up to me three times in a row. He's saying, all right, if you throw it up to me on first down and I doesn't, I don't come down with it, all right, let's draw something more creative up next play and, and figure it out. But one of those plays, if they're going to guard Travis Kelsey one-on-one, one of those plays, he's just getting a fade just – Travis, you're way bigger than that, dude. Just make a play. Guaranteed. Pads did it with Gronk all the time. And then that's when they started. It became a thing where you don't, like you aren't, if you're a defense, you're not allowed to cover Travis Kelsey one-on-one at the goal line because it's just going to be a touchdown. Now you need the safety over top in the corner. And now they're waste. If you split Kelsey out, defense has to waste two guys on one guy. Kelsey's not going to get the ball on that play, but now you have the numbers in the middle of the field and on the other side of the field. It's just a numbers game. It's a chess match. We need Hawkinson to become a guy like that. 
And like I said, not just a red zone guy, but a dude like, let's get him involved in the middle of the field too. Let's get him involved. Just like, why, why don't we have plays like a third and eight? We should have like 10 plays on like a third, like mid third down, like third and five to third and 10, where it's just designed to get Hawk open. Like it's, it's a play drawn up where Hawk's either going to get on a linebacker here or he's going to go find his own. Like we should have 10 plays where it's like, this is a Hawk play. He's going to be too fast. He's going to be too strong. Like he's going to be open. Whether if Stafford has the time, he'll hit him and it's going to be a first down. If not, whatever, we'll have to punt. Speaking of punting, Jack Fox might be the best player in the NFL. Forget just the punter. He might be the best player in the NFL. It's unreal. This dude has a titanium leg. I don't even understand it. Where'd he come from? Did we draft this guy? Because I'm not sure that we did. Um, I'm like, I, I've never even heard of him. They brought him. I didn't, to be totally honest, I didn't even know Sam Martin was gone until week one. And they're like, rookie Jack Fox out the punt. And I'm like, oh, all right, just whatever, punter. And then the ball went like 80 yards in the air. And I'm like, oh, so we have fucking Iron Man is our punter now. That seems kind of good for us. I mean, leave it to the Detroit Lions for our kicker and our punter to be our best players. That's just what we do. We're, we breed special teams players. Jason Hansen, whatever, the best kicker of all time. Forget about it. Um, Sam Martin, one of the better punters in the NFL. We said, hey, Sam, you're a top five punter. Sorry, not good enough. We got the number one punter sitting right here, and he's 10 years younger than you. So, Jack Fox, kudos to you. I know people like are joking, like, oh, my God, Jack Fox, this Jack Fox. Like, they kind of like joking or like, I love this guy. Bro, you're if you're listening to this, Jack Fox, fucking keep it up, dude. You're phenomenal. Whatever you're doing, whatever your workout is in the morning, whatever your diet is, I don't know. Maybe try to get some of the D linemen on it. Maybe try to get a few of our linebackers on it. Like, we could use some help other places. If you have secrets to why you are just instantly the best in the world at what you do, like, please share it with other guys on the team because you're you're a genius. You're an absolute genius. Um, I love you. <laughs> I mean – if it's a, it's a reassuring feeling knowing when we go three and out at our own 20 and have to punt, I'm like, well, at least this ball is probably going to end up at their 20. Like, at least it's like just a touchback. Like we're never, he's, there's never going to be a 35 yard punt and they run it out to midfield off this. Now it's going to be, he catches it at his own like 15 and either fair catches it or runs it for like five, 10 yards. That's a nice feeling that, and that helps the game, especially when you have a, ass defense like we do where if a team gets the ball at midfield or on our half they're getting points probably no matter what it's nice that like all right we went three and out but now they have to get like three four first downs before they're going to be in point range that's that changes the game and then it gives them more opportunities like in kyler's case this week it gives them opportunities to throw interceptions make stupid plays sway the game back into the lines favor all right quick break and then i'm going to talk I don't know. I mean, I want to I want to address Patricia because obviously, good job. We won. You didn't suck that bad. I still fucking hate you. But uh, give it a little credit where credit is due and then talk about a couple other things I noticed between the fans and the game and uh, narratives that are being pushed on Twitter that make no sense. All right. So quick break and we'll be right back. All right, so two things. First thing with the defense. So everyone was complaining week one, week two, why Tracy Walker just doesn't play. He was a rookie last year and already seemed like one of our best players, always around the ball, felt like he made a lot of impact plays. 
and all of a sudden now he plays like a third of the snaps because we have Will Harris in there. I don't know who the hell Will Harris even is. I don't know where he came from. I don't know how he started playing football. I don't know anything about him other than he stinks at playing safety. Why is the second-year guy who it felt like Tracy Walker, like I don't know if I was delusional when this year started and Walker wasn't playing because I remember thinking about last year when I'd watched this team and I remember there were multiple times where I'm like, this Tracy Walker guy is a fucking animal. Like third, what do we, he's like a third round or fourth round pick out of like a small Florida school. I was like, this kid's nuts. I'm pumped. This dude's going to be like, he's, I feel like in three years, he's going to be one of the best safeties in the NFL. Surprise, surprise. Patricia doesn't play him. Defense stinks. Defense stinks. Week three after two weeks of everyone on Twitter, Twitter clamoring, Twitter on Twitter clamoring for Tracy Walker. Like, why do we just play the guy who's much worse at his job than him? Um, he finally plays every single snap this week against Arizona. Now, Tracy Walker di- himself didn't have an interception, but we generate our first takeaway of the season, and it's not just one, it's three takeaways. Defense against one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL looks like not half bad. We only give up 23, and we win our first game of the year. Like, coincidence, Tracy Walker is fucking playing as much as he should. And all of a sudden, the defense isn't great, but we had three interceptions, and it was better. It was it was enough to win a game, which hasn't happened the first two games this year. Um, Patricia, what? why? Why did this take you so long to figure out when again? I feel like this has been such a common theme with all these Lions podcasts. Why is it so often that it feels like the fans – know something so obvious and you can't see it like every fan every twitter every lines twitter account i follow and see everyone's like where the hell's tracy walker where's tracy walker why is will harrison over tracy walker i'm sitting there like yeah tracy walker was sick last year and now he's just not playing why did he like bang patricia's wife or daughter or something i don't know boom plays in one game the whole game defense looks much better first takeaways of the year first win since i was in college like what are we Patricia, why? That's what I don't get. Why did this take you fucking three weeks to figure out? And it after you do figure it out, it seems so obvious that it should have been this way all along. I don't understand that. I really don't. Like, is he just does he just not like Tracy Walker? Is it like a Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs thing where he's like, he's not my kind of guy, so I'm just gonna spite him and not play him, even though he's the better player? Like, I don't get that. And then the moment you do play him. Our defense plays by far, by far their best game of the season, and we win for the first time in almost a calendar year. How? How did that take you so long to figure out? It really doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. And and the next thing I want to know is, this is I'll never have an answer to, but like, what made you change your mind? Was it you're like, damn, every, literally everybody fucking with a Twitter account that lives in Detroit is saying, where's Tracy Walker? Like, maybe they're right. Maybe I'll give it to him. Or was one of his coaches like, hey, Matt, like, dude, I get it. You don't really like Tracy. Like, you guys don't get along. But this Will Harris guy fucking stinks. If you want to have a job next week and not be working at the Wendy's, which Patricia might rather be a manager at a Wendy's than an NFL coach. I don't really know. But if you want to have a job in football next week, like, play this Tracy Walker guy. You have to. I'm sorry. Or was Sheila Ford like, dude, I don't know anything about football, but neither do you. And all these people on Twitter are saying play Tracy Walker. So play Tracy Walker this week or you're not going to coach the Cardinals game. Like I want to know where that change came from because I I have a hard time believing that 
all of a sudden Matt Patricia had this grand epiphany and was like, Oh my God, this whole time. The reason we have that we've been bad is I haven't been playing Tracy Walker, even though it's been right in front of me this entire time. Oh my God. I, I don't believe that he came to the, the conclusion of making that change on his own. I just don't. Again, another knock toward Patricia. The guy's an idiot. Sure. The defense was much better this week. We won. That's great. I'm happy that we did. Good job, Patricia. You did what you needed to do. I still think you're a fraud and you stink at your job. Like, I don't think I'm, I tweeted this. I'm, I'm still out. Like I'm the Lions still have life this year. This year is not, it's far from being over. I'm not in on Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn all of a sudden in the regime. I'm in on Matt Stafford and these guys being like, you know what? We're going to win in spite of Matt Patricia or despite Matt Patricia, like he's working against us. We're going to overcome the adversity. That is the team we have to play that week and the adversity. That is the dumb coaching staff that is sabotaging us to lose these games. Fuck them. We're going to win anyway. That's who I'm in on. I'm in on Matt Stafford being tired of losing in his 11th year and realizing, wait a second, this offense has talent at literally every single position. Um, Daryl Bevel seems to know what he's doing. I know what I'm doing. And our defense, we added some playmakers. Defense still isn't great, but we added some playmakers. Like that's what we what what we did this week against the Cardinals is just it's what they need to be. We don't need to be a defense that's oh man, we're that Broncos defense from like 2015 or whenever they won the Super Bowl, where it's good luck getting over 10 points on this squad. Like you're just never gonna pick up a first down. We don't need to be that team. We need to be sure we'll spot you 20 to 27 points a week, but. We're gonna we're gonna force a couple turnovers and start a few drives on your side of the fifty, and uh, every here and there, like here and there, when there's a big third down, we're gonna get a stop. That's what we we don't need to be. We're one of the best defenses in, in the NFL. You're gonna gain south of two hundred yards on us. We don't need to be that. We just need to be here and there. We'll make a big play that affects the game that turns into points for us and sways some momentum. And here and there, when we need a stop. When you guys have some momentum and we need to stop, we're gonna get one every so often. We just need to be we need to be like there's that ad or that flex seal or whatever where the pipe's leaking and the like Billy Mays just slaps tape on the on the on the leak and stops it. That's what our defense needs to be. Our defense doesn't need to be a brand new titanium pipe. Our defense needs to be a piece of flex seal that just bang, you just slap it on, and it's gonna do just enough to hold you over and tell Matt Stafford and the offense, which is the new titanium pipe, can get in there and do what they need to do. That's what that's what this defense needs to be. This defense needs to be flex seal. If I'm Matt Patricia, look at you have your sayings, you have your corny sayings, dagger time, whatever. Dagger time's bullshit, by the way. What you need to start doing on the defensive meetings is flex seal. That's the new mantra of the defense. Flex seal. One, two, three, flex seal. That's what we need to be. Just slap it on. It'll hold you over for a couple hours. Have a bucket there in case it doesn't totally work to catch some of the overflow. And then Matt Stafford and the crew will come in and, and put a new pipe in for you and take care of the problem permanently. It's defense. It needs to be flex seal. And that's what it was against Arizona yesterday. And that's why we won the game. They did just enough. They didn't shut down totally Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray wasn't good by any means. A lot of unforced errors where it's like, bro, what the fuck was that kind of thing? Like, what are you looking at? But again, Okuda made a phenomenal play on his catch. And then the tip, uh, the Harmon interception, just tip. Like, we catch all overthrows and interceptions, baby. Flex seal. That's what we do. Flex seal. That's what we need to be. Flex seal. And then the other thing I want to do address, 
till AP. I don't know the exact numbers. I kept seeing people bring it up on Twitter for God knows what reason. Adrian Peterson, I guess, played like – so Swift played like five or six snaps on offense yesterday. Carry on was like 11 or 12, and uh, AP was like 40. So obviously AP far and away played the majority of the time. And people are like, what the hell, man? Why'd we bring in Swift? Why is AP playing this much? He shouldn't be playing this much. What the hell? I don't get that. Why are people saying that? I understand the whole thing is we used the second rounder on carry on, and then we used an early, early second rounder, almost the first on Swift this year. I get that. So you want to see you know, the luxury picks playing right away like Okuda and Hawkinson did when he was drafted. You want to see those highly taken guys just instantly plug and play. But why are we going to force someone to play if they're not ready? You know what I'm saying? Like, carry on. First off, I don't know why everyone's begging for carry on to play more. I like carry on. I think carry on is a good player. He made a couple big plays. He's been great in pass pro, by the way. Shout out to you, carry on. If, if, uh, if you're listening, but he's been very good in pass pro. Why though? Like he's injury prone. Why do we need him to get 20 carries a week? Like he hasn't been able to stay healthy one year that he's been here. And all of a sudden we have a guy who experienced knows what he's doing. Not going to make stupid plays. I assume AP, I guess I don't really fucking pay that much attention to running back pass pro, but I assume AP's probably pretty solid as at it as well. Being in the NFL for 10 years or whatever, if we have a guy who has been phenomenal running the football, I mean, AP looks strong. He looks fast. He has vision. Like he looks, he like if you told me he's thirty five or whatever he is, I'd be like, no chance. This dude's maximum thirty. He's been great. If we have a guy, an experienced guy who can shoulder some of the load, and not not require our twenty four, twenty five year old, however however old carry on is our 25 year old running back. That's gotten injured three years in a row to have to play every down. Why is that a bad thing? Like carry on. We know can't stay healthy for 16 games, but listen, it's a lot easier to stay healthy all year when you're only playing 40% of the snaps versus 80% of the snaps, your risk of injury goes down a lot. And it's not like the guy that is taking his looks stinks. Like he's very, very good at what he does. So why are we all upset that, that he's he's taken some of the 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 burden, I guess is the word. And then Swift, I get Swift. He's a luxury pick. You want to see him play, but again, you don't even know if Swift's better than Carry on, let alone AP. So why are you clamoring for Swift to be? A, I mean, I don't want to bring up the past, and I want, I think Swift's going to be a great player in Detroit. He had a couple nice plays last night or yesterday. Little catch out of the backfield, just quick dude gets upfield, powerful runner. And then he had another play where, like, that's a rookie where he flared out of the backfield. Arizona blitzed. He flared out. Stafford just flipped to him right off the bat, and it hit him in the back. He just didn't even look for the ball. Like, AP, carry on. Like, those guys have been around enough. They're probably not getting hit in the back with the ball on a blitz. That's just a rookie thing. So why are we, why are we, like, why does DeAndre Swift need to be the every down back right away when it would appear he clearly isn't ready for it? And then I would assume, again, the pass pro, like if he can't even – if he's not aware enough to turn around on a blitz and catch the the hot route pass, he's probably not great at picking up blitzes and blocking himself. So why do we need – like I don't get the obsession with this dude having to play every single down. We signed AP too. And the other thing, why – like save the mileage. If AP's going to take some of these snaps, 
we just drafted DeAndre Swift. He's 22 or 23, whatever he is. What he does like if we're gonna save him mileage, if he's only gonna get, let's say, a hundred carries this year versus three hundred, and we're still we still have good running back play at those other carries, why is it a bad thing? Like this is only gonna look at Todd Gurley. He played for like four years and now that dude can't even walk for the Falcons. Why is it a bad thing that Dude, if if Swift, let's say AP resigns next year too, if Swift's first two years of his career, A, he's just learning from Adrian Peterson. He gets to spend time with someone as special as AP, and he's saving 200 carries a year. Obviously, it's not that many, but let's say he's saving 200 carries over two years of mileage. He's going to be healthier. It's going to be better for him in his long term in the long run. Listen, if, if Carrion and AP weren't here and Swift was the every-down guy, the, the DeAndre Swift three years from now in that situation versus our situation is a lot more beat up, probably has more injuries, probably is losing some of that explosiveness due to injuries. Like what's the harm in preserving him when we don't need him to be that guy? I, I'd agree if if our running back situation was bad and it was like we're just we drafted this guy super high and we're just playing some bum over him, what are we doing? I totally, totally am on board. But – we are getting great running back play out of Adrian Peterson. And if we save the dude some mileage over the way, just let him sit back, learn, figure out what he needs to do to be successful, learn from AP, watch AP, study him. Why is that such a bad thing? And look, it's still week three. Who knows? By week 11, DeAndre Swift might be the guy playing 60% of the snaps. But he had the time, and if that is the case, it will have proven – positive that he sat behind AP because now he gets to he gets to watch he gets to learn now 10 weeks later he knows what it is exactly he has to do and he's prepared when he goes in he knows exactly what he's doing rather than we throw him in week three for 60 percent of the snaps and half the time he's probably like dude I don't like I don't really know what I'm doing here I don't know who I'm supposed to block on this play is am I a hot route or do I stay in on this play like just let him ease into it it's why they always say quarterbacks like the Brett Favre and Rodgers thing it's nice to draft a rookie quarterback Pat Mahomes with Alex Smith you draft a rookie quarterback give him a year to sit behind if you have an established veteran who's been successful at what he does give the rookie a year to sit back learn study the starter see his habits you know figure out what he what's important to that guy because those are probably things that should be important to you if you want to be successful like Let's just groom Swift for a year. Why I don't need I don't get people's obsession. They're like people are crying about Adrian Peterson playing all these snaps. Whoa, why'd we take Swift with that pick if he's just gonna ride the bench? Dude, relax. Relax. He's still the third down back, but he shows signs of not being ready. Like I said, getting hit in the back. That Bears game. I don't want to bring it up again. But DeAndre Swift makes that catch. The lines are two and one, not one and two. Like there's a reason that he's playing. Like maybe AP's just the better player right now. And if that's the case, how upset would you be if you knew the Lions were intentionally playing a worse player just because they drafted him highly? That makes no sense either. So you have to relax, be patient. Listen, AP probably is just the best player in that room right now. And if that is the case, we're trying to make the playoffs. Like I said, the season isn't done yet. Play the best players. If AP's the best running back, play the best running back. Simple as that. All you Lions fans that are complaining about it, you're an idiot if you are. Play the best players. Play the best players. DeAndre Swift's going to have 10 more years in Detroit to be the starting running back. Play the best players right now.
All right, we're getting pretty long here, but I do want to address, I just want to talk about the state of the Cats right now. We're one and two. Played two good teams, one not so good team. The Bears game should have won, lost. Packers, look, I money lined them against the Saints. Fucking big brain. I'm a sharp. I could have told you that from a mile away. Packers look like one of the best teams in football. And the Cardinals, we beat them. They Kyler didn't look good. We just beat them. But I still think they're going to be at least, at least 10, 11 win team. I think they're going to be a really good team this year. I think Kyler is probably going to be a little bit in that MVP conversation. So we've beaten one good team, lost to one great team, and lost to one bad team. But again, Swift makes that catch. We beat the bad team and we're two and one. Saints this week. Who they put up some points, but that defense is bad. I'm kind of out on Drew Brees, to be totally honest, between watching him against the Packers yesterday and the Raiders the week before. I'm kind of out on the Saints and Brees. Very winnable game. If you would have said at the beginning of the year, I would have said Bears and the Cardinals are the games we need to win. We're going to lose Saints and Packers. Should have beat the Bears, no doubt about it. But this Saints team is a beatable team. Very, very winnable game. It's in Ford Field. Must win. If we go 2-2, two and two, then we got the bye. If we're 2-2 two and two at the bye, not only does this team have life, I think we're exactly where I would have told you we'd be before the season started when I was saying this team's going to make the playoffs. Listen, coming into the season, I was saying we're beating the Bears 100%. And then between Lion or between Packers, Cardinals, and Saints, we're probably going to lose two of those games. I would have told you that. I would have said we need to beat the Bears, and then we need to beat either the Packers, Cardinals, or Saints. Just one of them we got to pull out. Listen, we beat if we beat the Cardinals and Saints, it's probably not the avenue I thought we would take to get there. But either way, we're two and two at the bye. And if you look at the schedule after this bye, the schedule thins out majorly. After the bye, we have Jaguars. They're horrible. Minshew stinks. He has a mustache. I get it. He stinks. He has a mustache. He doesn't mean he's good at football. Then we have the Falcons. They can't win a game to save their life. You thought we were choke artists? They're choke masterminds. They can't win a game to save their life. Then we have the Colts. To be totally honest, I haven't really watched a Colts game. I don't even know what their record is. All I know is Phillip Rivers can't throw it over 10 yards. He has a chicken's arm attached to his body. Winnable game. Then we have the Vikings. They stink. Kirk Cousins, love you, Spartan dog, but he throws away interceptions like he's Santa Claus. Their defense can't stop anyone either. They stink. Washington, I bet them plus seven this week. What an idiot I am. Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, stop fucking throwing it to the other team, bro. That's bad. Washington's terrible. Another winnable game. Panthers, I don't know if CMC will be back by then either way. Um, I actually kind of like Teddy Bridgewater. I like the Panthers bet. I wish I would have taken it. They were underdogs against the Chargers last week. I wish I would have taken the Panthers. Um, but again, very winnable game. Like by no means is Teddy Bridgewater a death sentence. I don't think they're great. Then we have the Texans. They're 0-3. Deshaun Watson. I bet on you this week too, and you lost me money. Their defense also stinks. Deshaun Watson, that O-line, listen, that O-line, we might be able to get a pass rush on them. They're horrible. Deshaun Watson hasn't been able to take over a game yet. And then we play the Bears, who they stink. Although although I watched the second half when Foles went in, Foles is fucking legit. If they if they run out Foles, which they're going to the rest of the way here, um, the Bears might actually be a pretty good football team because Nick Foles was – I don't know if it was a flash in the pan, like he got hot for a half, but he looked fucking phenomenal. Bears are actually decent, but again – Winnable game. By no means are the Bears like 
that's just an L. And then we hit the Packers, which that is that is one of those games where all right, well, we're just gonna lose that game. That's just they're too good. But from from the bye, from the bye, so we play Saints by of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight consecutive games where we should win those games. There's no reason we can't. Jags, Falcons, Colts, Vikings, Washington, Panthers, Texans, Bears. Eight straight games. Realistically, if we're two and two at the bye, we run those eight games. We should go six and two in those eight games. Eight and four. Eight and four. Then we have Packers, Titans, Bucks, Vikings. Again, split that 10 and six. I think 10 and six makes the playoffs. Packers loss. Titans have not been great. Tannehill was putrid this week. Um, I'm not really sold on the Titans being what they were last year. I wasn't sold on the Titans when they were in the AFC championship game last year. I'm sure it's all not sold now. Bucks, I'm also not sold. They're two and one, I think. I'm still not sold. And then the Vikings, like Packers L, but between Titans, Bucks, Vikings, we got to win two of those games. We finished 10 and six. That's very doable. If we can go into this by two and two, we, I still have faith. I still have faith. We are, I'm not saying, all right, if we're two and two at the bye, we're guaranteed playoffs. If we're two and two at the bye, we are more than capable of making the playoffs. We're exactly where I would have said we need to be to make the playoffs and where we will be. Listen, coming through these first four games with anything above two and two would have been huge, would have been a miracle. Bears, like Packers, Saints, Cardinals, a lot of people probably said, boom, that's one and three. Two and two, that's what we needed. Now we have eight. We have eight. We got to win this Sunday against New Orleans. Win this Sunday against New Orleans. Drew Brees isn't what he used to be. Win this Sunday against New Orleans. We're two and two bye week. Get Trufant back. Get Coleman back. Get some people back. And then we have an eight-game stretch. Every single game is going to be a winnable game. There's no reason we shouldn't go six and two in those games. No reason at all. I'm not, I'm not convinced. Look at I I bought my I bought my Super Bowl ticket to Tampa in February. I did. I'm not sold we're going to be there yet, but there's life in this team. We'll be here next week. I will be right here next week. If we are 2 and 2 next week going into the bye, we're going to have a very interesting conversation. Win this week in New Orleans and then we'll talk. Thank you everybody for listening. The Lions are 1 and 2. We won. We beat the Cardinals. People didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. We beat the Cardinals. We're one and two. This team is breathing. They're alive. Matt Stafford's fucking sick of losing. Two and two. Beat the Saints on Sunday. Two and two. Go into the bye. Get your guys back. And then we have a stretch of W's. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Instagram, the dot second dot string at next second string on Twitter, the second string Detroit at gmail.com. Email me. Send me shit if you want to talk about the Lions, talk about this, that, whatever. Lions win against New Orleans on Sunday. Go into the bye, get your guys back, and then we have an eight-game stretch of winnable games. The Lions aren't dead, folks. The Cats are breathing, and we need to win on Sunday. We'll be back next week.